Hello, and welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. I'm your host, Bill Bant, and along with me on this journey revisiting 80s movies is my co-host, Jason Masick. Jason, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, to see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentations of their women. That's right, listeners. Today we'll be discussing, with spoilers aplenty, the 1982 fantasy adventure Conan the Barbarian, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, James Earl Jones, and Sandal Bergman, directed by John Milius. This movie is rated R with a running time of two hours and nine minutes. Conan the Barbarian celebrates its 40th anniversary this year. So, what is this movie about? What's on the box? If you grew up in the 1980s and went to your local video store to rent this movie, you would find this description on the back of the VHS box. It is what's in the box. Take it away, Jason. Through the history of mankind, the times that are most recorded in mythology and song are those of great deeds and fantastic adventures. Such a time was the Hiberian Age. Such a tale is the story of Conan the Barbarian. Sumerian Conan, Arnold Schwarzenegger, is captured as a child after his parents' savage murder by raiding veneer led by Thulsa Doom, James Earl Jones, head also of the malignant snake cult of Set. Fifteen years' agony, first chained to the wheel of pain, grinding grain, and then enslaved as a pit fighter, forge a magnificent body and indomitable spirit. Freed miraculously one day by his owner, Conan, with his companions Subatai the Mongol and Valeria, Queen of Thieves, sets forth upon his quest to learn the Riddle of Steel, which his father has prophesied will confer ultimate power, and to kill the arch-villain Thulsa Doom. Conan the Barbarian. Right, Conan the Barbarian. So that was what's on the box. Jason, how are we doing? Oh, fan-frickin-tastic. Oh, Arnold, this is our second Arnold pod, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Is that, that is correct? correct? We've done uh, the uh, Running Man and now yeah. Yeah, Conan, the one that kicked it all off for him. 1982. Yeah, let's move on to earliest memories. What are some earliest memories of Conan the Barbarian? And Jason, why don't you start us off? Let's talk about it. I did not see this movie in the theater. This was a cable watch for me, and I didn't arrive at this film until the latter half of the 80s. I was already a fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger, having seen films such as, and in no particular order, Commando, Predator, The Running Man, and Red Heat. But because films like Conan and The Terminator had come out when I was too young to see them, I saw them later on, after, or in between the aforementioned films. I don't have much in the way of nostalgia slash attachment to my first viewing of the film, but I do recall a few things, of course, as, as in, number one, just how freaking huge and swole Schwarzenegger was. Two, I was disturbed by the beheading of Conan's mother in the beginning of the film. You know what? I think the first time I ever saw a beheading on television or film was the TV miniseries Shogun, which, of course, definitely bothered me. But seeing this beheading in Conan stuck with me as an upsetting scene when I was just a young lad. Number three, seeing James Earl Jones as an actor for the first time, not just hearing him as the voice of Darth Vader. And here's an early memory, just memorizing the quote, our opening quote from this pod. The Mongol general saying what is best in life and Conan replying to crush your enemies, to see them driven before you, to hear the lamentations of the women. I would repeat that all the time. I just rolled off the tongue. <laughs> it's a little 
little harsh, a little violent, but it was entertaining to me as a teenager in high school. Regardless, lastly, my nostalgic attachment to this film lies with the soundtrack by Basil Polidorus. Ah, what can you say? I had it on cassette and listened to the opening track, Anvil of Crom, or on a later release, the track was called Prologue slash An Age Undreamed Of, and it always, and I mean always, got me pumped up. The track uh, Riddle of Steel slash Riders of Doom is incredibly awesome, too. And I'm going to give a special shout out to Alan Noon and Rob Noon, my my brothers from another mother from the town of Lindenhurst when I was in high school. I would hitch a ride with them in their van to high school in the morning and or cruise around our small Midwestern town of Lindenhurst. And we'd crank that song from time to time just to get our energy up. And it was just awesome. So obviously, this is a shout out to Basil. Polidorus, whose soundtracks carried me through the 80s. Do yourself a favor right now and listen to the Conan the Barbarian soundtrack and or RoboCop, both of which were huge for me. Uh, I talked a little bit about the RoboCop soundtrack on that pod. As a matter of fact, I think I may have said on that podcast that if I were a lever or a closing pitcher of a baseball team, my walk-up music or walk-out music to the mound would be the RoboCop theme. But it really is interchangeable with Anvil of Crom from Conan. Oh, yeah. That's what I've said. It's either one or the other. Thank you, Basil. Uh, those are my earliest memories. Bill Band, how about you? My earliest memories of this film is it was on HBO. My dad put it on, and I did not get very far into the movie because it was time for bed. So I don't even think I got far enough to even see Arnold in the movie. That's how it, it might have been the opening scene. That was it. Pretty much after Conan's mom got her head chopped off. <laughs> That's what I was talking about. But yeah. I remember my dad saying, hey, it's Darth Vader. And I'm not understanding. I'm like, what do you mean Darth Vader? I don't see Darth Vader. What, what the hell are you talking about, Darth Vader? But, of course, now I, now I get what he was saying. So I didn't see this movie until after I saw Conan the Destroyer in theaters, which is a more kid-friendly type of movie. And I did like the movie. Um, I was probably the right age for it. So I think the first time I finally saw Conan, the Barbarian, was on television. And, of course, it's edited for TV, so you're kind of missing a lot. And then I finally saw it on Late Night Cable, and, whoa, there's a lot of nudity in this movie. There's a lot of blood in this movie. This certainly wasn't in the sequel, so I was not expecting that. But like you, the music, just amazing. How to get the soundtrack would play it all the time. I know there's a lot of events that I do for work, and I'll put that on, like, pre-music before the event starts. But yeah, I, you know, eventually catch it here or there. If I, you know, flip it through the channels, and I see it on TV. It's something that I'll kind of watch the next couple of scenes. But I don't tend to watch this one as much as the other Arnold movies. Yeah, a couple of years after I saw the story that I finally saw this one. Great stuff, my friend. Yeah, I totally agree. This is not a film I revisit all that often, but I'm glad we did for this. I was surprised. There was a lot that, did I forget this or did I actually never watch this all the way through? But I'm pretty darn sure I did. But it's been a while. It's been a minute. So I'm I'm anxious to get into it. All right. Um, yeah, so it's uh, some of our initial thoughts. What are some of our initial thoughts about Conan the Barbarian? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about a couple of our main players. First off, the one and only Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
who portrays the titular character of Conan the Barbarian. Schwarzenegger, arguably the biggest action star of the 80s, was known for his size and incredibly muscular physique, his unmistakable Austrian accent, his taste for women for cigars, and the numerous one-liners from many of his films, lines such as, I'll be back, or get to the chopper, or it's not a tumor. He had previously been in Hercules in New York in 1970 and gained notoriety for the bodybuilding docudrama Pumping Iron in 1977. But I would say Conan, well, his first big Hollywood role would be this, Conan the Barbarian. And after this, of course, here's his 80s. The Terminator, Red Sonja, Commando, Raw Deal, Predator, The Running Man, Red Heat, and Twins. Not too shabby. And although your mileage may vary on the quality of some of those films, Arnold was an undeniable spectacle and you wanted to see anything he was in at the time. Should also mention in 1990, he rattled off Total Recall and Kindergarten Cop, which were both great, and followed that up with T2 Judgment Day in 91, which remains his top grossing movie. And lastly, wanted to highlight that Schwarzenegger is really known for the great success story that he is, coming from a small village in Austria to becoming one of Hollywood's biggest stars, making millions and marrying into the Kennedy family, and then, of course, serving as governor of California between 2003 to 2011. Next up, we've got the one and only James Earl Jones, J.E.J., who portrays our main antagonist, Thulsa Doom. What a great character name. The sorcerer, the warlord, the shapeshifter, the leader of a snake cult, a serpent cult. Obviously, J.E.J., is best known for providing the voice of the number one movie villain of all time, Darth Vader in the Star Wars saga. His work as an actor goes back to the 50s and includes being in Stanley Kubrick's Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, in 1964. He was nominated for Best Actor for The Great White Hope in 1970, but let's look at his 80s snapshot. We get The Empire Strikes Back in 1980, Conan in 82, Return of the Jedi in 83, and you might also know him as Professor Banks and Soul Man from 86, or King Jaffe Joffer in Coming to America in 88. And one of my favorites, he plays the character of Terrence Mann in Field of Dreams in 89. You would otherwise know him from his portrayal of Admiral Greer in a few of the Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan films. And last but not least, James Earl Jones is the voice of Mufasa from The Lion King. He's an all-time great. And can't forget this one. This is CNN. Now, getting into the movie. Watching this movie now was just great. There was a lot I had forgotten, possibly never even seen. I could have sworn I'd seen it all the way through, but there were some spots that felt like a new visual experience to me. Regardless, great to be able to watch a young Schwarzenegger do his thing while still in his early 30s, although he kind of looks even a little younger in my opinion. Uh, He looks fantastic. I mean, no mistake about it. He's huge. He's just got muscles hanging off of him everywhere. He's an impressive figure. Here's an initial thought. I think his acting is actually okay in this movie. Okay. I was expecting a cringeworthy performance since I hadn't seen it so long, but he was okay. It's not extremely nuanced or deeply layered, but it doesn't have to be. He's freaking Conan. It requires presence and command and a confidence, all of which he has in spades. Shout out to Sandal Bergman, who plays Valeria, wandering adventurer and thief and love interest of Conan's. She's a good actress, and I think she's super sexy athletic in this film. That's an initial thought. She's a good romantic match for the character of Conan and the actor Schwarzenegger. I think they kind of have a nice connection. Maybe not sparks flying everywhere, but it works for me. I love Jerry Lopez as Subatai, the thief, and what I call now Conan's jogging partner. They're just jogging together throughout a lot of the film. I think the film is well cast, the dynamic trio of the three of them. And to further the point of good casting, it was smart to get heavy hitters like Max von Sydow and James Earl Jones in this. It adds some heft, lends some credence. 
they did right to cast good people around Schwarzenegger as he's still maturing as an actor and a star. But for me, hands down, once again, the real star of this movie is Basil Poldoris, the film composer. The movie is taken to another level because of the soundtrack. No question in my mind. If this film had a lesser score, it would be very average. Maybe slightly above average because of Von Cito and James Earl Jones, but because of Polidoris' score, this film is lifted up to pretty good in my estimation. Overall, I like the characters, the music. The film to me is a bit too long. I felt like it could have been an hour 45 easily, just tighten it up. The story is just so simple. Why draw it out? Simple is good. I like simple things. It's a revenge story. Conan finds his way to becoming a warrior king while on the path of finding the man who slaughtered his parents. That's it. Easy. But it drags a little bit in spots for me. I wasn't a fan of the sound design. And I mean specifically with like, there, there was something weird here, Bill Bant, for me watching this. The weapon strikes in the fight sequences. There's obviously a lot of swordplay. And whenever a character would strike another with a sword or an axe or a mallet hammer, it would land with a strange whacking sound like it was hitting a plastic garbage can or plastic wrapper. And it felt dull for some reason. I don't know. It was a little distracting in moments. You know what? I thought the more powerful moments were when we'd see Schwarzenegger alone, working on his technique, perfecting his swings and balance and focus, kind of like sword tai chi. You just watch him and you're like, yeah, they're really showing him off, his rippling biceps, etc. But he looks pretty damn cool. He is a demigod. So I thought some of those moments were a little more impactful than some of the action in this. I, I'm going to contradict myself and say that even though it was a little long, I do like some of the the kind of Western style pacing in the middle of this medieval sort of themed film. So I kind of like that because it was shot in Spain, like some of the spaghetti Westerns. Anyway, those are my initial thoughts. How about you, Bill Bant? I mean, yeah, this is the movie that starts off and you broke it down for us. An amazing 12 year run for Arnold from Conan to True Lies. He was the biggest action star in the world. And what a way to kick things off. You found the perfect vehicle for him because of the accent. You want a character that's not going to say a lot of dialogue. Then you had this and, and the Terminator, you know, not, not a lot of lines. It's funny that you mentioned the running time because yes, the movie is two hours and nine minutes. And it feels like two hours and nine minutes, but I didn't feel like it was a bad two hours and nine minutes. Like you, I remembered all the action stuff. I was surprised I didn't remember most of the sexy time stuff. Like I, I didn't remember when he was training to be the warrior that they would throw women in him so he would breed. Totally forgot the scene with the witch. They all of a sudden they start doing it. I didn't realize him and Valeria were were going at it that much. So that was kind of surprising to me. I uh, love the fact that James Earl Jones played a villain. Love when an actor plays against type and he just knocks it out of the park. And the same thing too. I totally forgot about Max Mancito being in this movie. And he's really just in the one scene. But you said it, it adds depth to the film to bring in big actors like this to be in that one scene, knock it out of the park, move the story along. And you're just like, okay, cool. If these actors think this is worth being in, then it's kind of worth hopefully seeing it like you i don't know how many times we're going to mention it just just the soundtrack alone just even just thinking about the movie the main theme was going through my head over and over again love the whole story of here we go here's here's conan he's on his quest for revenge to hopefully kill the person that killed his village and pick up your characters along the way and you know, we have our thief and we have our valkyrie and um, we have our wizard you know, this is based on a comic book, and I don't think it's really discussed when you talk about, like, big-time comic book movies. Conan the Barbarian, for some reason, is not in that discussion, and I think it should be. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, because I was really just thinking about 
how many 80s movies were really based on a comic book? Yeah, we all talk about Howard the Duck was a huge flop, and then you had Batman at the very end of the decade, but you don't hear that much about Conan. You should. I think it's, I think it's very important. It, it should have been a movie that studios look like, look, you can take a comic property and make a movie out of it. I think that just kind of gets overlooked. When you think of Schwarzenegger movies, what Schwarzenegger movies should you watch? This should definitely be in the list. I think you should you should watch this one. You should definitely watch the first two Terminator films. You put Predator in that list. And then maybe Commando. I think that's like the, the big sure. five. I really enjoyed watching it and uh, looking forward to discussing a little more about Conan. Great stuff, man. I appreciate those thoughts. And I totally agree. And again, I'll be talking about Basil Peladeris and the score till I'm blue in the face. But I felt like watching it is like, man, I could just turn the dialogue track off and listen to his score, which plays pretty much throughout the film. And it could be like a two-hour music video just with that score and its beautiful landscapes in the Spanish desert. And I really did appreciate the casting. I, I do like this little fellowship, if you will, kind of going on their journey together. I liked their friendship a lot. And I, I liked how they had met and then uh, really stuck together through it pretty much to the end. So good stuff, man. Are we ready to get in some favorite scenes and moments let us what are some of your favorite scenes and moments from conan the barbarian i guess i this would be a scene but i'm going to call it a moment it's the opening narration in the titles for me man it gave me chills as soon as it started i was just like let's freaking go hell yeah you've got the opening title card which is a quote which is that which does not kill us makes us stronger by frederick nietzsche and we hear the the uh, voiceover of the Wizard of the Mounds, a.k.a. the Chronicler, speaking of ancient times, an age undreamed of, Conan destined to wear the jeweled crown of Aquilonia upon a troubled brow. Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. And that song kicks in, the Anvil Crumb, and you're just like, oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Let's get this movie going. The theme kicks in. There's the fiery smelted ore fills the mold in the shape of the sword, and a great sword is forged. God damn. It's an adrenaline rush. That's my first favorite moment, Bill Ben. Yeah, those opening cards are really cool, just watching the sword being crafted. And I love that. And then it, yeah. it cuts to the first scene where he just thrusts it into the snow right. to cool the metal. I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. The blade. And then you just see little Conan and like the whole screen is dark except for him. He's lit. And then you just see the credits are coming up throughout the thing. I was like, yeah, it's a pretty kick-ass opening. <laughs> yeah, it's I correct. Like it. And the sword is badass. It looks heavy. It looks sturdy. It looks deadly. It looks impressive. And it's got the cool inscription oh, on yeah. it. It's yeah, it's some really good yeah. craftsmanship. Yeah, that's definitely a good call. For my first favorite scene or moment, it's... uh. Yeah, poor Conan's mom, man, losing her head. That was, that was a tough one. That hurt me, man. So, you know, the movie opens and Conan's a little boy, maybe around nine or ten. And he's kind of outside the village and he's kind of playing or whatever. And then all of a sudden he sees these people approaching and he realizes right away this is bad news. And he's trying to get back to the village. And now the, the village is getting raided. This raid is led by James Earl Jones, who plays Tulsa Doom. And he's in charge of this just snake cult, which we find out is right they're cannibals too so it's like cannibal snake loving cults this is tough stuff here and um they kind of go in they basically slaughtering everyone in the village conan sees his dad get killed uh, he gets an axe in the back and wild dogs are then um sicked on him and the dogs basically tear him apart and the buildings are being rough burned and at this point the only people that are really left are a bunch of kids conan and his mom at that point the raiders 
have all kind of stopped and they've basically gathered in front of Conan's mom and Dulce Doom gets off his horse and he takes off his helmet and then you see James Earl Jones and Conan's mom has the sword and she's holding it out in front to protect herself and Conan and there's really no words exchanged and you just see Dulce just kind of staring at her in a way almost like admiring her for the fact that she's going to try to defend herself against all these raiders because it's like you got no chance but you kind of realize he's almost hypnotizing her and she doesn't realize it right and she yeah. slowly puts down her sword and Salsa James Earl Jones turns around to walk away that you think just like all right I'm just going to let you two survive at this moment too then while all this is happening Conan is holding his mom's hand he's kind of a little bit behind her because she's still trying to protect him and he goes to turn that you think he's going to get back on the horse and just swings his sword yep. around and the shot is of Conan so it's his view so you just kind of see the mom from the chest down there he's holding her hand and then you just see like the chest down the waist down you kind of mm -hmm. see and then yeah go ahead you don't even really notice it is you see the head tumble it's just it's really on the side of the frame so you just kind of see the right head, you just see the that. hair go down and Conan's still staring at these people not realizing what happened to his mom his mom just starts falling away in slow motion and he's still holding onto the hand and he doesn't realize what's happened to his mom. And then all of a sudden he loses the grip and the mom falls and you're just like, holy crap. Your mom just got killed in front of you. You don't even know what the hell happened. It's pretty yeah. powerful stuff. And this is the antithesis of now Conan's going to seek revenge on these people from what they did to his family. That scene always stuck with me. Like I said, because the first time I saw it, that's really what I saw up to. And that was it. But yeah, this, this is one of my favorite moments of the movie. Great call. Great scene, great moment, extremely effective and impactful. It stayed with me until this day, and it always will. The beheading of the mother really bothered me as a kid, as I mentioned in my earliest memories. Now watching the scene, it's shot so well. Also, everything about... I really enjoy this scene. I'd mentioned the track by Basil, our composer, The Riddle of Steel slash Riders of Doom. That track plays during this opening action sequence with Thulsa Doom coming in with the, the Riders of Doom and just leveling this snowy village. So the setting is very romantic with the snow and this peaceful village and, and the townsfolk. Then they just come in and devastate the entire area. And there's just little moments that are great because we have, you know, when you mentioned young Conan, who's off to the side, he's kind of either attempting ice fishing or playing off in the woods, and he sees the scout from the evil raiders hop onto this big rock, and he's like covered in tattoo sleeves, and he's like, oh no, this isn't good. And then the scout jumps off the rock, and all the, the horsemen come running through, and that theme, just the drums and the horns and everything, and the horses come running in. And there's a great moment in here, too, and I'm diving into it, Bill Bandit, because if you didn't notice, this was also my first favorite scene. There's a great moment where you have, you see the difference in instinct between the mother and the father, because they're like under one of the tents, and the father immediately goes, his instinct is to protect the village and everyone in. So he goes for his sword, and then the mother, her instinct, and he actually, she almost like pushes him away. Oh, yeah. She's running for Conan. Her instinct is to protect her child. So dad goes for the weapon to protect the village. Mom goes to protect the child. So I thought that was kind of a cool moment unto itself. And like I said, the music is just pounding, and I'm going to just keep on bringing up the music. And there's a soldier with a giant hammer that is swinging down, which is brutal. Like you said, Conan's father goes down with the axe in the back, and then the dogs tear him apart. Then what's great here is that the music goes quiet. There's no dialogue in this scene. Nope. 
outside of yelling and screaming. There's no dialogue whatsoever. So that's not a surprise in a battle sequence, really, unless you would expect maybe a general to be shouting orders. But the music goes really silent. It's quite beautiful. And because of the snow and the scene, it's very serene. And this moment when Thalsa Doom removes his helmet and he's staring at Conan's mother, whom is quite beautiful, she really is stunning. She looks like Angelina Jolie. I see it. To me. She's quite stunning. And she's taken with his stare and she falls into the trance and lowers her sword. And he beheads her with the father's sword. And that's the sword that he, then Conan, wants to retrieve at some point. But it's so quiet. And the stairs that are back and forth. It's a well-paced, well-timed scene. And then absolutely devastating with her murder and this young boy who's just literally in shock. He's in shock, staring up at this evil Thalsa Doom. Great scene, man. It's just impactful imagery. It's great imagery. Love the pacing. Love the music that it goes from this this kind of such a strong, powerful march. Then it just goes to such a soft, kind of sweet strings, etc., then the poor kid and the other children from the village are enslaved immediately thereafter. It's brutal. Very impactful. This scene takes its time, and that's what I like about it. Because, yes. you, yeah, you kind of meet your main villains and the reason why Conan's going to be who he's going to be. You nailed it. I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, from like a script standpoint, from a writer standpoint, filmmaker standpoint, this is an inciting incident here. This is the catalyst because young Conan not only is looking up at Thulsa Doom, but he is taken with what they call, I believe, in the film, the standard. But it's the insignia. It's the symbol of the serpent cult, which is, uh, speaking of powerful imagery, it's two snake heads facing one another, but they actually join uh, at the bottom, and the two snake heads are above a black sun and a black moon. And that image is what is imprinted on young Conan's mind, and he then remembers that when he's trying to avenge his parents' death. He's looking for that symbol, which then plays into later on, he finds the Tower of the Serpent, etc. But that is, yeah, the inciting incident there. It's great. Now you're up. What do you got? So my next favorite scene, I am calling Conan is healed by the mounds. And this is much later. Going to have to skip over a whole bunch here. Now, at this point in the film, Conan has gone through different trials. He's met Subatai. Uh, he's met a witch and he's been now partnered with Subatai and he's met Valeria because they, all three of them, have uh, raided the Tower of the Serpent in a specific town and have stolen the Eye of the Serpent, which was a jewel because they're basically thieves. And yes, Conan has a mission, but on that, on the way to accomplishing this mission, he is partnered with these two thieves and he is himself has become a thief. And, uh, you know, they're having a little bit of fun, but they steal the eye of the serpent and they're basically partying in this town. They decide to stick around, get a little drunk. And then uh, some of the King's guards retrieve them and they go to have a meeting with the King. King Osric, I believe is his name. And that is played by uh, Max von Sydow. And Max von Sydow charges them with the task of finding his daughter who has fallen under the spell of Thalsa Doom. She is now basically in his service and the king wants his princess, his daughter back. And he's like, well, you guys are clearly good thieves. You stole the this jewel, that, which is known as the Eye of the Serpent, from the Tower of the Serpent. You managed to get away with that. Well, go steal my daughter back. And they're like, uh... And, and then he throws a bunch of jewels at him and they're like, oh yeah, we'll do it. Uh, however... What happens is Valeria and Subatai say, well, you know what? Eh, it's a little risky. Uh, we're going to pass. We're just going to keep the jewels and uh, go our own way. And Conan 
who is still looking at this, uh, what something else they stole from the Tower of uh, the Serpent, which is basically like a, a large pendant that is this symbol. It's the standard. It's the two snake heads over the black moon and black sun, but it's like a turquoise color. And he's staring at it knowing, no, he must accomplish his mission. Yes, he will try to save the princess, the daughter of the king, from the service of Thalsa Doom, but his goal is to kill Thalsa Doom. That is his primary purpose. That is his goal, and he will fulfill it. And he will leave his lover, Valeria, and his new buddy, Subatai, if he has to, in order to accomplish his mission. So he goes to, what is it called? The Mountain of Power or something like that. It's the Temple of the Serpent, which is basically Thalsa Doom's headquarters. And Conan is like, well, how am I going to infiltrate this area? Anyway, I'm getting long-winded. And he is found out. He tries to pretend as if he's one of the followers. And he is found out, and he is tortured, and he is crucified. So poor uh, Conan is crucified. Pretty brutal on this pretty cool-looking tree, actually. But thankfully, Subatai shows up. He decides that he's going to help his buddy Conan, and Valeria as well. And they take him down from the tree and bring him back out to the mounds near the uh, the beach and the ocean. And out there is where the Wizard of the Mounds resides. And he's a basically a wizard. He's a bit of a sorcerer himself. And they need to heal Conan because if they're going to go after Thalsa Doom and his uh, Tower of Power, basically, Conan's got to get healthy and he's got holes in his wrists and his legs. Well, Valeria says to the Wizard of the Mound, can you heal him? Can you do this? And he's like, well, uh, I think I have the power to do it. But the spirits of the land extract a heavy toll which Valeria promptly says she will pay. So the wizard swaddles Conan tightly in a black cloth and draws tattoo symbols upon his exposed hands and face. Conan's body is tied to four posts driven into the ground. The wizard warns that in the night, the dark spirits will try to take him. And the night comes, and so do the spirits. The sky turns red, and these red ghost-like figures begin swirling and attacking Conan. Meanwhile, Valeria and Subatai jump on top of him, not letting the spirits carry him off. Valeria desperately swipes the knife, her knife, at the spirits, and eventually the spirits leave, and Conan has made it through the night. He awakens to an adoring and loving Valeria, now healed of his crucifixion wounds, and uh, she professes that she will never leave his side. And the reason why I bring up this scene in particular was is because of the animation and the special effects. I love it. They're awesome. Yeah. I didn't remember. I mean, I sort of remember, but this is really cool. I had to rewatch it. You feel as if the spirits are truly trying to untie and attack and wrestle our heroes in this moment. And it's timed with Valeria as she's swiping her fists and the knife at them and vice versa. So it really looks like these evil kind of creepy. They basically they have shape. They look like tangible ghosts. And the scene is intense. It's crazy. The ocean waves are writhing. The sky's red. There's some ILM effects in here with the sky, etc. The wizard is chanting incoherently. It's very chaotic, and you really feel the intensity of the scene. But they survive the trial. So it has this really nice fantastical element in it. This is the element of magic that's in the film. And you buy it hook, line, and sinker. It establishes Valeria's devotion to Conan. She's really, really in it for him and trying to protect him. And it's all followed by a replenished Conan. You know, he does some fancy sword techniques as an um, exercise on the beach after this with the, some great music in the background. So you're like, oh, he made it. Good. Uh, now go kill Thalsa Doom. Uh, great scene. Great effects. Really cool red evil demons. Yeah, I enjoyed that scene with the 
effects considering it's 1982 and you figure oh man they probably had to hand draw all that shit frame by frame but it looks fantastic because it, it fits into the mythology of the movie the fantasy of the movie i believe i'm like yeah these are probably the demons that go around taking your souls or life force when it's your time to go and even though they're technically supposed to heal it's almost like they're trying to plan a ruse it's okay we'll come heal them but then we're, we're going to take them right after yeah i like how that scene played out your stormy night and the wind's all blowing and Schwarzenegger's literally like tied down to the ground and he keeps getting lifted up and they're right. trying to hold him down and fight these demons all at the same time it's it's a fun scene i enjoyed it yeah total suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. you buy it they're really struggling to keep him down yeah i always kind of remembered the scene but I, I never understood what it meant before until really watching it this time oh yeah this worked really cool yeah all right so that takes me to yeah i guess my next favorite scenes is right after this moment it's now you know conan's back to health and let's go get this princess and i love on the uh, blu-ray that i have it's the scenes it's called swords against the cult cool so it starts off and i love i love they camo themselves in like this oh yeah white tigers kind of thing it's all this white and black striping and they look fantastic i fucking love the way they look in this scene they're going to enter the temple through basically the mountain because the temple itself is kind of built into the mountain and i guess there's like a back side of it and they go in and it's almost like this giant kitchen area and this is where you find out they're cannibals they have all these people strung up they're literally skinning people alive and they're making them into stew and you're like holy crap this is a lot bigger than you could ever imagine because at this point in the beginning of the movie, it's really just kind of like a small band of raiders. And now at this point, because it's been so many years later, this cult has almost taken over this region, this world, or whatever you want to call it. And everyone's kind of following it. Yeah, I mean, it's a cult. They're under their like the trance of the cult leader. Yeah. I and mean, they're all basically sacrificing themselves. Mm-hmm. So they sneak their way through the kitchen. And of course, Basil's score is amazing because it's this chorus, these chants or whatever. And they're just trying yeah. to sneak their way through. And then they finally get into the temple. And then the music changes because kind of like the main temple room. And we see uh, Thalsa up on his throne. He's got the princess kind of, she looks like she's drugged. And she's kind of just kind of leaning on him. And it's this huge orgy scene that's going on it's just all these women all around these guys are doing their thing to them at the same time there's these six guys carrying in this huge bowl huge stone it's got to be like a 20 foot bowl must weigh like a ton yeah yeah it looks yeah and they put it on the stairs in between the top of the throne and into the i'll just call it the orgy pit yeah one of the servant women goes up and with the bowl and the guy serves and it's like this green, I don't even, it's this really weird green it's color. Gross. Yeah. And she just starts eating it right away. It's like it's the greatest thing in the world. And what's hilarious is because you have Valeria and Conan and Sopate, they kind of peek over to see what's going on. And their eyes just widen like, holy crap. And Sopate sometimes like, oh, so this is paradise, huh? Right. But they realize, all right, we got a mission to do. We got to get this princess. So they take some candles And they slide them into, there's these columns and there's all these drapes that are over the columns. So they start setting the drapes on fire. And then Salsa Doom kind of senses this is all going on. And then he has this amazing transformation where he transforms into a snake. Right. And he starts slithering away. 
And then all hell breaks loose. Yep. Conan and Valeria and Sabate, they just start killing everybody left and right. And of course, again, the music changes. Now you have the dun 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 dun. So it's like the third music change and like within five minute span. Yep. And they're kicking some ass. And then all of a sudden, the two like henchmen that were with Salsa when Conan's mom got killed, they show up. Yeah. Rexor and Thorgrim. <laughs> and they recognize Conan because Conan had tried to infiltrate earlier and they thought they had killed him by crucifying him. It made the hair on my arm stand when Conan gets the sword and he kind of pulls it around his shoulder and just gets into the fighting stance and with the music and all. And oh, just yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Here we go. It's our, it's our first. You see the look in his eyes. His eyes like widen. Oh, yeah. He's like, like he's this is my moment. So I'm excited to, to see these two. Water all of you. And uh, they go at it for a little bit, and then eventually they grab the princess and take off. And I just, I just love that moment. It's just some kick ass. I mean, everyone gets killed. It's just blood everywhere. It's just so gratuitous violence. It's just, I'm just like, oh my god, I would hate to live in a world where is that how people are just battling like that with swords and axes and just such brutality because they're, they're not messing around i'm like they're yeah. cutting open people's stomachs or they cut them in the neck and just all this blood absolutely it's funny i forgot what you said the they called it on the blu-ray dvd this chapter or the name of the scene oh swords against the cult which is great very strong and i also put this as my next favorite scene and i called it the sleepy orgy cannibal soup party yes so not quite a strong title but you're right, man. When the action kicks in, it's fantastic. I mean, you got Schwarzenegger knocking over that giant stone bowl of soup. Yeah. And it's just, and there's body yeah, parts all, in all the soup out. that people have been chewing on. There's a head in the soup that rolls down the stairs. I mean, it's disgusting. I'm glad that you brought up the camouflage body paint. Totally awesome. Conan looks badass. Valeria looks super she sexy. She does. Just super yes. hot. Like, really hot. And Subatai's badass. I mean, they just look fantastic. And speaking of Valeria, she's not just sexy. She's got some killing ability, man. She's got some skills. And once they basically do some serious slicing and dicing of everybody in the scene, all the villains at least, and they make haste with the princess in tow, Valeria hangs back and she takes care of a whole handful of baddies her, just single-handedly. Oh, yeah. So she's showing her skills. Again, shout out to Sandal Bergman. She was great. Some great choreography in there. But yeah, that transformation with Thulsa Doom going from human form to snake is creepy. You see his head like stretching outward. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden there's a shot where now he's, it's a snake head. Very creepy. But music is awesome. Yeah, you just, you pretty much covered it, man. It's great stuff. So once they get out of the secret back tunnels with the princess and they go outside, well, Thulsa Doom is basically looking from on high and is like, well, how dare they? Now they will fear the dark. Now they will basically reap what they've sown. And he takes a, a live snake from around his neck and straightens it so out. Cool. And then, of course, because this is using his magic, the snake itself has become a deadly arrow, which he then fires through the night sky and it lands in the side of Valeria, sadly. And Valeria goes down and she passes. But this she knew was going to happen and expected. And this relates to the previous scene we had just discussed with the evil ghost spirits. Was that she knew she was going to have to pay a toll in order to have invoked those spirits in order to heal Conan. This is the toll that she's paying now. Is, the, is with her life. It's her life that 
she loses as a result of this uh, uh, rescuing the princess. Thulsa Doom shoots her with the snake. That's, and that's one hell of a shot because they're at the top of the yeah. mountain. They're <laughs> riding their horses at the base and he just lines that up and boom, like right under the ribs. Yeah, man. And it's cool Tough because loss. This, Tough loss and it was cool because the snake stays rigid while it's in her. And then I think Subite pulls it out and then it becomes a snake again. And he just kind of tosses it. Yeah. And you're like crazy. Yeah. That's one thing that's a little unexpected about this film. You know, just that's one small element that has a certain creep factor where we understand that this is kind of a high fantasy slash medieval backdrop in a way, sword adventure with there's going to be a fantastical element and with sorcery. But there's a real darkness in this movie. There's a real dark element with the cult aspect. Oh, yeah. And Thalsa Doom and James Earl Jones lending his heft to it and his speech about the power of flesh. And we see one of his followers basically commits suicide at his command because that's the power he holds over his followers. And then, yeah, what just the little details with the snakes and using one of the snakes as an arrow can turn your stomach a little bit. You're like, there's some real darkness here. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, this is an R-rated movie, and it is R all the way through. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I think you nailed it. It's not because I do favor the medieval fantasy adventure films. There's a certain romantic nature to it. And a lot of times I've said, if I could go back in time, I would like to visit the Dark Ages and the castles and the swords and the armor and the shields and the uh, Knights of the Round Table. And you think of Camelot and things like that. Well, no, not all of it. It's like that. This is the darker side of things. It's like you said, you nailed it. It's brutal. It's brutal. So good call, man. To round this out, as I had mentioned previously, I like Simon Conan's contemplative moments in the film. And there's this moment at the end when he has reached his ultimate objective because there's been a, an entirely another additional action sequence after this where Thulsa Doom and his two henchmen and some more of the uh, riders of Doom attack Schwarzenegger, Subatai, and the Wizard of the Mounds at the Mounds, which they have booby-trapped and they've prepared for this attack. And there's a great action sequence but our heroes get the best of Thulsa Doom and he retreats back to his temple. And well, Conan's got to finish the job and he goes back to the temple and our Thulsa Doom thinks that he's going to put Conan in a trance and probably try to make him one of his followers. He thinks he's like, you are my son. You know that I am your father. I made you this way. I set you on this course. And you see Conan kind of playing along and then he snaps out of it pretty quickly. He was just faking it and swings his sword down a couple of times, and the blood goes flying, and yes, he decapitates Thulsa Doom, and the body falls, and he throws his head down the stairs. This kind of powerful moment at the end, because he has accomplished his mission. He's avenged his parents' death, and we see the followers of Doom putting out their candles, and they leave slowly, and it kind of dissolves, and then all of a sudden, he's sitting on the stairs of the Temple of Set, all by himself. There's no one around. Conan's done it. He won. And it's now as if he's contemplating what is it he will do now that the journey has been completed. So he sets fire to the whole damn thing and just moves on. It's great. I kind of loved that quiet ending where credit to Schwarzenegger. He was well cast. And there's some nice moments where he's just kind of looking off into the distance. And you're like, huh, I wonder what he's thinking right now. But at that moment, it's like, oh, damn. He just wiped everybody out. That's it. What is he going to do now? Well, it's cool, too, because then the princess that he rescued is with him, and then she kind of offers herself to him. Mm -hmm. He just kind of walks on by, 
And then basically, yeah, I got to take you home. Right. But yeah, as soon as he captivates that head, whatever hold uh, Doom had on everyone, they just snap right out of it. And yep. Because I mean, there's like thousands of followers just standing out there on their white robes and their candles. It's very eerie. It is. But that was it for me for, for moments and scenes, man. I, do you have something yeah, else? Yeah, I just have a, a very quick moment, and it's right after Valeria dies, and uh, Conan builds the funeral pyre for her and sets her on flame, and then you see Sobatai with the wizard, and Sobatai's crying, and the wizard goes, why are you crying? And Sobatai says, uh, he is Conan. He will not cry, so I will cry for him. And I thought that was kind of cool, because it's just like, it really just shows the bond that they have made in this just a brief amount of time. And he really just understands what Conan's all about and what Conan's mission is. And he's in a way, he's almost doing a favor of Conan for crying for Valeria because Conan now is so focused on, I'm going to go find Tulsa doom and kill him. And that's my main focus right now. The emotional stuff I got to put aside, even though the love of my life is now dead. He's already not thinking about that once, once he set that flame. So I thought that was kind of cool. I, I kind of liked it. I loved it. I'm glad you called it out. I love that moment. I thought it was actually kind of emotional. Yeah. Yeah. As it should be. I was surprised at how it affected me. Yeah. Especially, like you said, when Subatai says he's Samaria. Yeah, I was really bummed that Subatai was not in the sequel. I thought mm. he should have been. Good character. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's all I got for uh, scenes and moments. Hey, let's take a short break to hear from our friends over at Watch This Tonight podcast. Tell me if this has ever happened to you. It's about 9 o'clock at night. You finished your day. Kids are asleep, had dinner, took the dog for a walk. You got a little bit of time to just chill out and watch something good on TV. And you spend 25 minutes going between all the different streaming platforms, Netflix, Paramount+, Plus, Apple+, Plus, Amazon, and you don't know what to watch. And finally, at the end, you give up and you just put on something you watched already. If this has happened to you and you just can never find that good thing to watch when you want to, then I've created a show just for you. It's called Watch This Tonight. I'm Dan Benamore. I've been a film critic, a film producer, and now I'm a podcast producer. And when you're in that moment, when you're staring at your different streaming platforms and you don't know what to watch and you want to make sure you watch something good, just look up Watch This Tonight anywhere you listen to podcasts. Each episode is only about 10 minutes, and each episode gives you a curated selection for the best in streaming. Look for Watch This Tonight anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hello, Bill Bam here from the All 80s Movies Podcast to tell you about Factor Meals. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get your 50% off today. Now back to our show. 
So it's now time to move on to Swiss cheese and complaint department. And why don't we call it Swiss cheese? Because although this movie is delicious, it does have right. Because it does have all the Swiss cheese. We just file a complaint with the complaint department. So Jason, do you have any Swiss cheese? I don't really have any Swiss cheese for this one. No, I didn't. It kind of moves in a pretty straight direction from one plot point to the next. I didn't find really any holes in the plot. I have some nitpicky complaints, as always. But yeah, I didn't have any Swiss cheese. Yeah, I didn't have any Swiss cheese either. I think that the plot is pretty much simple. It's, you know, it's a revenge movie and King sends him on a mission to to save his, rescue his daughter. So it's like, all right, simple enough. There's really nothing I could really pick holes at. So what what do you have for complaints, though? Uh, I have a silly one here. Now, uh, in the middle of the story, it's, I guess, towards the beginning, after he was enslaved as a child and then kind of grows to adulthood, manhood on the wheel of pain, and then is basically a gladiator, and then is freed. He's running through the desert, and he makes it to what I think is supposed to be like this Atlantean temple after being chased by dogs. Right. And he falls into this temple, and there's this skeleton on a throne adorned with, you know, a helmet and armor, and there's a sword. And it's awesome because the music's beautiful, and he takes the sword, and he's like, okay, now... Now I'm going to go kick some ass with this. And I just thought it was funny because then he comes out of the temple and he's only got the sword. I'm like, don't you want the helmet and the shield too, man? There's some stuff in there you could use. But I was like, okay, I guess he likes to travel light. That's true. He is going to do a lot of running. Yeah, he does do a lot of running. But yeah, uh, you know what it reminded me of was Clash of the Titans. That's a good call. Because I think Harry Hamlin at one point is like, he doesn't take all the, the good stuff that he's just been given. Mm-hmm. He just puts on the old helmet and disappears. And in this one, Conan just takes the sword. He's like, this is all I need. Right. That helmet's pretty sweet, and that shield would come in handy. But no, I'm just going to take off with yeah. the sword. That's it. What do you have for complaints? I don't know if there's really a complaint. I was going to say this for additional thoughts and questions, but I, I guess I need to understand the Wheel of Pain. Okay, so Thulsa's party do the raid. They take all the kids. They bring them to the Wheel of Pain, and then the basically... They just walk around in circles and we'll just say it's some kind of mill. We don't know exactly what it does. But then it gets to the point where Conan's the last on this wheel. So what happened to all the other kids? Why didn't they bring in new kids to help on the wheel? And then someone kind of buys Conan? See, I thought he would still be under Thulsa's service. So that kind of confused me. And then this new, I guess his master makes him a pit fighter and he fights all these fights and luckily he goes through all of them basically unscathed except for the very first one where he gets bit in the neck wow the odds against that are pretty impressive but then the master just sets him free and i didn't understand any of that either was i missing something not at all you know i should have put that in my complaints as well questions well one i think when the children are chained together and taken to their future as slaves and to be put on the wheel of pain there is one line of narration that says that Thulsa Doom and his men rode back south to wherever they're from, and then the rest of them went north. So I don't know. They kind of went separate ways. Correct. So I understand what you're saying, but he would still technically be under Thulsa Doom's control or his men or something like that. I don't know. But it was weird because then when Conan reaches adulthood on the Wheel of Pain, what happened to all the other yeah. kids? Did they all age out? They aged out of the wheel of pain. Did they, they go die? into become gladiators? They all die. Is that the point? Is that he's the only one that survived? He was the strong one. I mean, he's just so powerful. Like that. I mean, he just had the genetics and the, the will to survive and becomes this hulking muscular warrior as a result. But yeah, so there's some questions with the wheel of pain for sure. And then 
there is no answer to why he is freed by his mm-hmm. master. I think the only thing I could come up with is that he basically had uh, served his purpose, as in maybe his master took some sympathy uh, on him and was just like, he's eventually just going to die as a gladiator. He's just too good to die that way. I'm just going to let him go. He's It's Rent's course here with Conan. I'm just going to let him go. I thought it was just sympathy, too. You got everything you can yeah. get out of him. Probably made more than enough money that he could go off and retire. Right. I would think as an owner, and I'm thinking of the film Gladiator now, is kind of if you were the owner of a gladiator and you thought, well, eventually he's going to lose and he's gotten this far. I think, uh, you know, I'm not going to tempt fate anymore. I'm just going to let him mm-hmm. go. It's run its course. It's time to move on. And you can kind of see it in the the guy's face when he lets him go. There's a little bit of a, a sympathy there, but it's not explained no. at all. But he has to run because then he could get recaptured by who knows what. Yeah, yeah. A little confusing. I still liked it. And speaking of the film Gladiator, which, of course, I thought of as a result, I was like, I wonder if they did they borrow from this storyline a little bit? I mean, it's pretty close. I mean, a yeah, little it's bit. possible. Yeah. You know? Everything's based on something else. Russell Crowe's, his family gets killed. He's then sold into slavery mm-hmm. and becomes a gladiator. Uh, my next complaint was, there's a weird little scene, and it's very brief, and it's, I believe, it's right before, it's actually, they're in a town, because Conan and Subatai have been running partners, running from town to town, and they end up in this particular city where there is the Tower of the Serpent. And before they go to the tower, and that's where they meet Valeria, and then they decide to steal the jewel, the Eye of the Serpent, well, they get a little drunk. And I believe, I don't even know if they were drinking or if it's what they ate, if it was that Stygian seafood or whatever, uh, that, yeah. that market. Yeah, offered them. And there's this strange little brief sequence with Sabatai and Conan. They're coming down some stairs. They're acting a bit drunk. And Conan is calling all of the women sluts. And I guess there's like a guy humping a donkey. And he's like, oh, that's funny or weird. And he's laughing. Then Conan punches a camel yep. and basically knocks it out. What's the purpose of this scene? That's a good call. No idea. Kind of forgot about it. It was just weird. It felt a little out of place because then they kind of go running off and they're like, hey, let's go steal the eye of the serpent. Okay, let's yeah. do that. <laughs> Oh, that's what happens when you get toasted and drunk. But it leads right into my next complaint. Sorry, no, go ahead. I cut you off here. But you've managed to successfully steal the Eye of the Serpent now, and you made friends with Valeria. Caused quite a stir. You're just going to stick around and party in the same city? I would think you'd want to move on first, kind of get your distance from place you just stole from. But they just spend the loot on booze. So my issue with that is you're going to commit a crime in the middle of the city. Why don't you just take off? But they stick around. Right. And what were you going to do with the, the Eye of the Serpent anyway? Because he basically just gifts it to Valeria. I'm like, dude, it's worth a ton of right. money, but it's something you can't really hawk. Everybody knows what it is. Everybody knows who it belongs to. I don't know why you stole it to begin with. Just for the fact that you say you can steal it. Bragging rights. But I have to admit, there were some cool snake effects in that scene when they steal the, the jewel. That's a pretty cool snake. Could have definitely put that in favorite yeah. scenes. Good stuff in there. All right. So uh, my next complaint, basically Conan and his crew get captured by the king to go get his daughter back. Who's under the spell of Thulsa Doom. Come on, man. Can we have a hotter princess? Every time I saw the princess, she reminded me of Amanda Plummer. Oh, my God. No, that's not Amanda Plummer. And then I would see her again. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Amanda. No, it's not Amanda Plummer. Amanda Plummer, she was like in The Fisher King. She's in Pulp Fiction. She's a bunch of movies. But I was like... Can we have a better looking princess, please? Come on, princess. Princess got to be pretty. That's hilarious. Yeah, I can see it. I guess every princess cannot be, you know, super hot stuff, but at least yeah. average. Yeah. 
I like the Amanda Plummer comp, though. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, every time I was like, well, that, no, it's not Amanda Plummer. I guess I would say this is my last complaint. So after they rescue the princess and they go to the mounds and they do the final preparation, this final battle that Doom's going to come after with his men, and it's just the wizard Conan and Sobate against that whole army, and all three of them survive? No. But they only really rig one kind of trap, and it's that giant horn that goes through, I think it's, was it Rexor that I went, it basically impales? It's Thorgrim. Thorgrim. I knew I was going to get it wrong. Uh, one of our favorite, our favorite guys that's in all of Schwarzenegger's yeah. films is Sven Thorson. Yeah. He gets the, uh, it's like the, one of those deadfall trap type mm-hmm. things. It's like a spring trap kind of thing. Yeah. yeah Cause it was funny. Cause there was even that one scene, uh, when sometimes he's running around, he's shooting everybody with the arrows and the guys on the horse and they roll down and have all the spikes. And he rolls down the opposite way of the spikes. I was like, well, those are ineffective. They were, if they were the other oh, way, at least would have impaled them. They were not effective at all. Conan gets a little bit wounded. Nothing happens to the wizard or Sobate. And sorry, with that many people. Yeah. Good call, Bill. Good call. I, you know, that you just named a few reasons why I did not put that sequence in my favorite scenes. It was a little all over the place. There's like some really cool moments within it, but it's a little far-fetched, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I did like Sobate blocking the final snake arrow because Doom's about to leave because he's the only, he's the oh, only right. one left. That was a cool moment. Princess is all mad that she's not getting rescued. He decides to kill her instead. Oh, here he goes. There's the snake. And Sobate knows what's going to happen. Yeah. And he jumps in front of it with the shield and snake hits the shield instead. And we get an appearance from the ghost of Valeria. Yeah. She comes in and sa- uh, saves the day. She saves Conan's ass right towards the yeah, end of that. She's battle. all Valkyrie'd up. Yeah, mm-hmm. looking good. That was pretty much it for me. But, you know, it's funny. I had one more complaint that you've kind of solved for me because uh, I just wasn't thinking. I was just being an idiot because when I was like, Conan takes care of Thulsa Doom at the end, beheads Doom, throws his head down the stairs, and all the followers just kind of go, well, I guess that's it, guys. Yeah, I know. It was fun while it lasted. What do you say we put these candles out? Call it a day. And uh, you want to meet uh, later at the bar? Yeah. All right. And I was like, oh, wow, that was quick. But you nailed it. The trance has now ceased and they've come out of the trance. I was like, wow, it really is as they say. Literally, you cut the head off the snake and the body dies. So complaint, but not a complaint. Yeah, there's like no panic in them. It was just, oh, where where am I? Why am I holding this candle? Uh, I'll just dump it in this thing of water and just leave. I have no idea where I am. I have no idea where I got to go. I'm just saying it's good that none of them, even coming out of the trance, were like, oh, hey, if we just band together, we can take Conan. There's like 10,000. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> They're all like, no, we're done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was kind of cool. It was a thing. Right. It was just kind of a fad. It was a trend. In I didn't really like that soup, to be honest. So, you know, kind of glad. Yeah, there was something. There was a, it was just so bony. Oh, hey, oh, kind of fleshy. All right. So let's move on to, hey, it's that actor. So in this segment, we spotlight a character actor you have seen in many other films an actor making their big screen debut, or an actor that makes an uncredited cameo. It's Hey, It's That Actor. Am I going first? Okay. All right. My Hey, It's That Actor is William Smith. He plays Conan's father in the beginning of the film. Yes, good call. And he just has one of those phases where I was like, I know this guy from something for sure. And William Smith indeed has a ton of credits. And of course, yes, I do know him from a couple of things, most notably from Red Dawn as the Russian baddie Strelnikov and from Any Which Way You Can, where he plays Jack Wilson and has the longest bare knuckle fight ever with Clint Eastwood. I'm like, oh my God, it is that guy. 
But uh, he is also best known for his role as Falconetti from Rich Man, Poor Man back in 1976. This dude was a bona fide badass, no questions asked. He served in the Korean War, knew multiple languages, became known as one of the kings of B-movie and television villainy. But seriously, he could qualify as the most interesting man in the world. Just listen to a little trivia on this guy I pulled from IMDb. He, first of all, he had the nickname Big Bill. One of his trademarks, he had 18 and a quarter inch arms. Dude was built. Appeared in the final episode of Batman in 1966, the first episode of The Rockford Files in 74, and although he was in the final season cast, he was not in the final episode of Hawaii Five O. He received on-screen credit only. Lifetime Achievement Award from Academy of Bodybuilding and Fitness, two-time arm wrestling world champion, competed in motocross events with Steve McQueen and doubled as one of the track riders in CC and Company in 1970, had a 31-1 record as an amateur boxer, held the U.S. Air Force Light Heavyweight Weightlifting Championship, performed over 5,100 continuous sit-ups over a five-hour period. God, I mean, it just goes on and on. He's a direct descendant of Western figures Kit Carson and Daniel Boone. Bruce Lee personally offered Smith the co-lead in Enter the Dragon from 1973, but another film went over schedule and John Saxon stepped into the Oh, world. fuck. He also fought California wildfires in the early 1950s. R.I.P. William Smith passed away in 2021 at the age of 88 and... Woodland Hills, California. Wow. Great pull. Just look him up. Ladies and gentlemen, do yourself a favor. William Smith. Yeah, and there, and there was another actor that was kind of playing against type, the father in the beginning. Oh, that's awesome that he's playing against type, and I love that. And you have James Earl Jones playing against type as the baddie. But I got to say, maybe this is a pseudo-complaint, too, because in the very beginning scene, you have him speaking with Conan about the sword, and then they have, like, that fox background of the sky, and then it cuts to this beautiful scene of the village. And I'm like, why don't they just shoot it right there? That It's just, it's a beautiful area. Plenty of blue sky you could have shot that off of. They could have been sitting on a hill. Yeah, that rear projection shot in the opening was unnecessary. It's a pretty scene. I like the dialogue. Oh, yeah. I like the conversation between William Smith, the father and the son. But that was unnecessary. It was clearly fake. And you're right. Then they've got these beautiful landscape shots. They, they have this beautiful photography throughout the mm-hmm. film. Why do that? Yeah, they could have shot anywhere around the village. I I would have loved it just talking about that stuff. So, yeah, it almost takes you out of it a little bit. Yeah, and then when it shows the village, I'm like, fuck, just shoot it right there. This is is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, they, I guess, wanted that scene to be really like on the mountaintops. Oh, yeah. Who's your hey, it's that actor? I'm glad you did William Smith because he was on my list, but I don't think I would have pulled as much stuff as you did. So, man, that, that was a super deep dive on him. So I actually went with Mako, who plays the wizard and is the only other actor besides Conan or Schwarzenegger to star in the sequel as his original character. In the sequel, he's finally given the name of Akiro. Besides the Conan films, Mako starred in such 80s films as Under the Rainbow with Carrie Fisher, An Eye for an Eye with Chuck Norris, An Armed Response, and P.O.W. The Escape, which both starred David Carradine. Mako was nominated for a Supporting Actor Oscar for his role as Pohan in The Sand Pebbles, uh, which I admit to never seeing. To me, what I know him most for was his recurring guest appearances on the TV show MASH. Surprisingly, he was only in four episodes, but it seemed to me that he was in a lot more. Um, Mako passed away in 2006 at the age of 73. Great stuff. I'm glad you chose him. Very likable. 
likable actor, recognizable for sure. Yeah, I felt like he's going to be uh, in so much stuff. more stuff. I, I was surprised it wasn't as much as I thought. But yeah, I never knew he was nominated. Mm-hmm. You know, especially being a Asian actor to get a Oscar nomination, especially in a movie that Sam Pebbles was in the '60s. You know, good for him. Trailblazer there. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Before we get to the next yes. segment, sorry to interrupt. I'm gonna I'm gonna just say this real quick. Often, I like to choose a, hey, it's that actor that was featured in our one of our favorite shows of all time. Probably the best show of all time. Let's just be honest. Miami Vice. Mm-hmm. And although William Smith, my, hey, it's that actor, was not on the show, the director of Conan the Barbarian, John Milius, did receive story credit for an episode of Miami Vice from season three in 1987 entitled Viking Bikers from Hell. And he's credited as Walter Kurtz. The character from Apocalypse Now. Oh, crazy. Because John Milius was a big fan. Of, well, he was right. a, like a contemporary of Francis Ford Coppola and Lucas and all those guys. Hmm. They had to throw out a Miami Vice connection. Damn, learned something new in my own podcast. Yeah. This is perfect because that ties into our facts and trivia. What are some facts and trivia we have about Conan? I'll go first. So, okay. So in preparation for the role, Schwarzenegger had to do weapons training, martial arts training, and horse riding lessons. He trained with an 11-pound broadsword two hours a day for three months. Each broadsword used in the movie cost $10,000 and had to look weathered. He also learned climbing techniques and how to fall and roll and jump from at least 15 feet in the air. There you go. That's great stuff. Yeah, because I remember them saying that he's actually a little too big, and they needed him to slim it down Mm -hmm. a little bit, and he still looks so huge. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of our guy, Basil Polidorus, he made extensive use of Musync. This is our film composer. He used something called Musync, a music and tempo editing hardware and software system which modified the tempo of his compositions and synchronized them with the action in the film. Conan was the first film to use the system. Interesting. Pretty cool. That's why it works so well. It's not only because the music itself is so superior in its composition and it's beautiful and powerful, but it's timed perfectly with the scenes and the action within mm-hmm. the scenes. It's timed so well because they used this system, Musync. M-U-S-Y-N-C, Musync. Cool. So the first day of filming did not go very well for Arnold because he ended up having to get stitches. So um, it was the scene where Conan is being chased by the dogs and he's supposed to be climbing up the rocks and they rehearsed it once or twice and he didn't have any issues. And then they go to roll again. And these dogs supposedly were almost a little too wild. Even the trainer was having some trouble with them. And in the first take, Schwarzenegger goes to climb the rocks and he falls and the dogs attack him. And I think you can actually find the scene on the Blu-ray. There's a behind the scenes moment and they actually show the shot of him falling and then the dogs jumping on him and then the trainer trying to run in to pull the dogs off. And then he has to get stitches and then Schwarzenegger was joking how they didn't really have a true medic on set and they're overseas and they don't really have a hospital to go to. And it was just someone from the crew that's like, hey, I can stitch you up. He was like, oh boy, this is how the first day is going to go. We'll see how the rest of this happens. Yeah, I'd come across a little bit of that. Yeah, hell of a way to start. Now, speaking of Conan's sword, the sword's inscription reads, Suffer no guilt, ye who wield this in the name of Krom. We never even talked about Krom. No, we haven't. We mentioned the song, Anvil Krom. But while he was governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger displayed it behind his chair in the Reagan cabinet room. Oh, hilarious. (laughs) 
<laughs> He's got the sword from Conan mm-hmm. in the Reagan cabinet room. He's serving as governor. I mean, come on. You can't make that stuff. I thought it was kind of funny that right before the final battle where he does kind of the prayer to Karam, he's like, I know I haven't had time to speak for you, but I'm not going to believe in you if you don't help us. I'm like, damn, you're putting a lot of pressure on Karam to come through here, especially when you're not speaking or praying to him. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I need you big, big time. I don't know. I look to you for assistance, but if you don't help me now, then I say to hell with you. What does that remind you of? Major League. Oh, yeah. Joe Boo, if you know, help me now. I say, yeah. Fuck you, Joe Boo. <laughs> That's all I can think of. That's all I can think of. At least of. he's been honoring Joe Boo throughout the whole movie. Like, so he just talks <laughs> to the Krom with Sobatai, like, at the very beginning. And then just kind of uh, forget about him. And then when he has this big battle, all of a sudden he turns to him again. I'm like, come on. Krom should be like, dude, you got to put in the work. Yeah. I don't right. need to do shit for you right now. So good luck. It's true. Yeah, right. So the uh, scene in which they're um, stealing the Eye of the Serpent, and we see that huge snake that is that attacks Conan, and then Conan has to fight it, and then Zobasai comes out and starts shooting the arrows into it. Well, the best person they had on set that could shoot arrows was the director, Jaimilius, and he was the one that had to shoot the arrows. I guess he's pretty proficient at arrows, but of course he said it's kind of different when you have your main actor in the scene so of course it made him very nervous about doing it but obviously uh he pulled it off and uh yeah definitely had some good shots there right into the snake's neck so yeah that was john milius the director that was shooting those arrows into that huge snake pretty fun pretty risky yeah. for the scene in which valeria and Subatai had to fend off the ghosts to save conan's life the boiling clouds were created by George Lucas's Industrial Light and Magic, while VCE, Visual Concepts Engineering, was given the task of creating the ghosts. Their first attempt, filming uh, strips of film emulsion suspended in a vat of viscous solution, elicited complaints from the producers who thought the resulting spirits looked too much like those in the scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, VCE turned to animation to complete the task. First, uh, they drew muscular warriors in ghostly forms onto cells and printed the images onto film with an Oxbury animation stand and contact printer. There's a lot of other little details here, but uh, VCE's intention with using uh, an old lens was to make the result images of the ghosts seem as they if they were real-life objects filmed with a camera. The final composite was produced by passing the reels of film for the effects and the live action sequences through a two-headed optical printer and capturing the results camera i don't know if any of that makes sense to you at home but it's kind of cool sounds cool there you go all right so here's here's just a little silly fact so the uh soup in the orgy scene which we mentioned earlier was uh, referred to by the crew as the split pea and hand soup perfect don't don't need the recipe for that one please do not submit that for recipes to share nice well i'm going to end my facts and trivia with this in october 2012 Universal Pictures announced plans for Schwarzenegger to return to the role of Conan for the film The Legend of Conan. The planned story was a direct sequel to the original film, bypassing Conan the Destroyer and the 2011 film starring Jason Momoa. In the years following the announcement, Will Beale, Andrea Berloff, and producer Chris Morgan worked on the script, and Schwarzenegger expressed enthusiasm for the project, affirming plans to star in the film. However, in 2017, Morgan stated that Universal had dropped the project but that there remains a possibility of a television series. Surprise, surprise. All right, so my last fact and trivia, Sandal Bergman 
actually won a Golden Globe as new star of the year for Conan the Barbarian. Oh, no shit. It was just kind of crazy because I think this is probably her biggest role. Yeah. And then on the opposite end, Arnold Schwarzenegger was nominated for a Razzie as worst actor for Conan the Barbarian. Uh, that's too yeah, harsh. I don't think that was deserved. So luckily he didn't win, but he was nominated. Not at so. all. He was pretty good. He was, he was yeah, just fine. So talk about yeah, two different sides of the spectrum there. They dropped the new star of the year award. I can't remember when they dropped that, but it's almost like the Grammy new artist. Every time they pick someone, they go on to do nothing else. I vaguely do remember now, though, that they had that. Yeah. All right. So moving on to box office, Conan the Barbarian was released on May 14th, 1982 on 1,358 theaters. On an estimated budget of $20 million, it grossed $79.1 million worldwide. The film opened in the number one position at the U.S. box office and held that spot for two weeks. In its third week of release, it dropped to number three behind the debut of Rocky Three, which grabbed the top spot. Conan the Barbarian would stay in the top ten for an additional week and would become the 17th highest grossing movie domestically in the U.S. in 1982. So moving on to reviews, when growing up in the early 80s, we would catch sneak previews with Cisco and Ebert to hear the reviews and watch clips from upcoming releases. Their review of Conan the Barbarian was unanimous. Two thumbs up. Gene found the movie to have a good sense of humor and sees the actors are enjoying their roles. Roger found the characters of Conan and Valeria to be more than cardboard characters, and they brought energy to the movie. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a tomato meter score of 65%, and it has an IMDb rating of 6.9, which brings us to additional thoughts and questions. What are some additional thoughts and questions we have about Conan the Barbarian? Um, here's an additional thought real quick, uh, because we didn't mention it in Fun Facts and Trivia, but... A lot of film aficionados like to point to this film from the writing perspective because Oliver Stone is credited as one of the writers on this film, which he was. But if you do the research, he had written a script which was going to require a very, very large budget. And thus, that wasn't going to work as it turned out. You can read about it. John Milius took over. A lot of Stone's script was revised and changed in uh, later drafts and thus became a little bit more affordable, a little bit more grounded. I think Stone's draft was super high, like fantasy, and thus really expensive. But yes, Oliver Stone has a credit on this film, but I, I don't even know if he really looks at this as like a huge writing credit for himself. But I can't speak for Oliver Stone, so I just wanted yeah, to mention that. Yeah, um, I'm glad you mentioned it. I was going to just in case. Uh, I realized, I was like, oh my God, we haven't yeah. mentioned Oliver Stone. I know, I know. I almost forgot, yeah. But yeah, I think he wrote the second draft, and yeah, the budget was going to mm -hmm. be through the roof. And then at one point, he was actually attached to direct. And then because it was just taking forever to move forward, because I think from the documentary, Schwarzenegger met with the initial producer, back in 77 to get this project off the ground and it was going nowhere. So they eventually sold it to Dino Darlorentes. And once it got yeah. sold to Dino, just so the producer can get some money out of it. And that's when stone was dropped from the project completely as even being attached to directing. And then another draft was done. Most of it, I think rewritten by director, John Milius. There you go. Hard question. Bill Bant. Yes. Is Thulsa doom a bit of a puss? He slithers out of the orgy hall before the action starts. Heads start flying. Blades start swinging. He slithers out of there. 
And then when he goes to the mounds after that for the final battle, he totally dips out again after he sees his men get their asses kicked by Subatai and Conan and the wizard after he tries to shoot the princess from a distance. But Subatai, of course, rescues her at the last second. I'm just saying, Thulsa Doom, not much of a fighter. And he's the big bad. Smart man. Smart man. He gave him credit credit for that, man. Like I said, I I would not want to be involved in any of that kind of action. Just no, no thanks. Just the, the thing, you go into battle and then you leave and like, oh, there goes my arm or there goes my leg or my guts are all over the field here. Yeah, no thanks. I don't want to be anywhere near that stuff. Hey, speaking of which, if you lived in those times, as in like medieval times, who do you think you would be? Would you be a warrior, a politician, a king, a knight, a priest, a beggar, a bread maker, a cook, a blacksmith, a horse trainer, one of the knight's guard, or a bard? What role would you play in medieval times, do you think? In a previous life. I'd probably be like a farmer or something. It's nothing exciting. Yeah. Sure. No, I, I'm down yeah. with that. I don't think I'd want to live See, by I'm, the castle. I'm thinking, yeah. It's just <laughs> grimy and gross. Kind of and, avoid all the action yeah. altogether. Yeah. Just like bad stuff kind of surrounds the castles. Tend to get attacked from time to time. I just think it's just dirty and gross. I mean, there's no there's no yeah. you know toilet yeah. system or anything. People are just dumping their crap all over the place. Literally dumping their crap. I'd rather just be out on the farm, take my chances, have a couple of cows. Yeah, man. I think that's, yeah, that's why they call it the, the dark and smelly ages. Yeah, I, I think I may have been a bard just because uh, I do appreciate the performance, okay. a little storytelling. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. You know, I, I would like to think of myself as I'd like to be a knight or something like super. I wouldn't last one battle. No, no, no. Unless I'm the guy that gets to do the um, catapults, then maybe I'd have a chance. <laughs> I'd just pull the rope. I'd take that job. Oh, I love it. Uh, did you have any questions? You know, uh, Schwarzenegger here. I mean, I kind of put yep. in my top well, five, I would say. Sure. My question was going to be, which Arnold movie do you think he has the most dominating presence in? No, oh, Terminator. Yeah. Okay. That was going to be yeah. my answer, too. What are your five must-watch Schwarzenegger movies? What would your, yours be? Most watched. No, not most watched, but like must watch. Like or, if someone did not know who Arnold Schwarzenegger was and you said, right. hey, these are the five movies you need to see, which five would you have them watch? Definitely The Terminator, Predator. Those would be my top okay. two. Then you had a good list up top. Terminator, Predator. I might throw in True Lies. Ooh. I'm just going to be honest. I'm not a huge. I appreciate Commando, but I'm just not a huge fan of the movie. I, I like I like it. Don't get me wrong, but I might even throw. Oh, this could be controversial. Like Kindergarten Cop in there, and then Conan in the fifth slot. I like him in Kindergarten Cop. I like that. I like he has. I, I like his comedic chops. I mean, he's funny in Twins too, I guess. But I have to have True Lies in there. I'm a big True Lies fan. No, I don't have a problem with your list. Yeah, there's something about Kindergarten Cop that I've always liked mm-hmm. a lot. I haven't seen that in a long while. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I would put Conan at five, just because although this is not a film I will revisit all that often. It's still important in his legacy. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this is, this is the beginning and it's still, I mean, it's a solid movie and there's some great action and the soundtrack's brilliant. And he's just this kind of behemoth. This, uh, he was just a real spectacle. And our, our view of bodybuilders and action heroes have changed over the years, which is a, 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 can be a, you can write a thesis on that alone. Mm -hmm. Because we were in awe of these huge stars at the time, meaning literally huge. Like your Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Van Damme. Yeah. I mean, that was part of the allure was seeing how these men had 
enhanced their bodies, their physique. And it looked great on the big screen. And they set kind of a bar of like, at that time, that was the hero's image. And then things changed. Yeah. Here's another question that just popped in my head. How many little baby Conans do you think are running around? I literally wrote, how many children did Conan father along the way? Is there a Conan witch baby out there somewhere? I don't think so. I think he pulled out before that happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah clearly there's some little Conans oh, running yeah. around. I agree. How many? I don't know. I'd say maybe a baker's dozen, man. Yeah. Damn. He was... Uh, I couldn't believe yeah, it, yeah. Made, I mean, they specifically said, yeah, it's like that scene. It's like they were they were breeding, mm-hmm. you know. He was the specimen. He probably had Schwarzenegger had probably more love scenes in this movie than all his other movies combined. Right? Isn't that funny? Yeah, that's a good call, man. Who would have known? He was like peaks with the first film. Oh yeah, it's a big first starring role. I got one other question for you. Okay. What's the coolest Doom? Thulsa Doom, Doctor Doom, as in Victor Von Doom, Mount Doom from Lord of the Rings, or the first person shooter video game Doom? which is well-known for popularizing first-person shooter video games. wasn't the very first one, but close to it. For some reason, I'm never good at the Doom game, so I'm taking that off the list. Dr. Doom. Hmm. Mount Doom. Falsa Doom. I just was like, wow, there's a lot I, of Dooms. Uh, I probably have to go Mount Doom. Yeah, I'm right there with you. But Falsa, he did look good in the robes as a snake. I was like, that's a pretty cool-looking snake right now. I'll admit it. I was like, that's pretty cool. And it's a great... Great name for a villain. Yeah, it is. So is Dr. Doom. But I mean, Dr. Doom's, I guess they're both really obvious with Doom mm-hmm. in the name, but Thulsa Doom. Yeah, I don't know any other Thulsas. <laughs> so if I ever meet a Thulsa, I'm going to stay away. That's all I got, Bill Banton. You got any other questions, additional thoughts? No, I think that's it. I think I uh, covered everything. All right. Uh, so let's move on to our rating. So on a scale of one to five, I have the Serpent Jewels. What do you give Conan the Barbarian? Ooh. Eye of the Serpent Jewels. Yeah. I'm giving it a solid 3.5 Eye of the Serpent Jewels. And I mean solid. That's rock solid. Solid is the jewel itself. It's a straightforward film. And the reason why I don't give it four is because it isn't quite as rewatchable as Schwarzenegger's other films. Because it's just a really simple tale. And my imagination, for whatever reason, only goes so far with this movie. It's very straightforward. But... There's some great, act, like I said, action scenes, and the soundtrack is so solid. It's, I mean, it's just so good throughout. Just really, really impressive. Just go listen to it. Find your, whatever music player you use, just look it up. Search it. Basil Polidorus, Conan the Barbarian, official soundtrack. So the music, Schwarzenegger's first big Hollywood starring role. A lot of positive things, but two hours and eight minutes, yeah, it's a little... A little slow for me in spots. That's it. I don't know. It's good. Watch it. I recommend it wholeheartedly. Yeah. That's all I got, man. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. James Earl Jones is in this. It's yeah. awesome. I'm give, Yeah, I'm giving it four. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm yeah, I think it's one of those. Four. Okay, yeah. Just perfect casting. The music, just amazing. I don't know. I th- I'm okay with the running time. Um, I think after I watched it, I was kind of like, yeah. oh, I, need, I need to watch this movie more. It is straightforward. Sandal Bergman in the camo paint. That was just a thing for me. I was like, damn, what, what is going on? Yeah, she's super hot. And she's great. Oh, yeah. Like, she's so capable. She's strong. Mm-hmm. She's really strong. Yeah, yeah, I really wish I really wish this series had kept going. Yeah, they really blew it with Destroyer. Yeah, I agree. But like I said, when I, I saw it as a kid, I, I did like it. And even that leaves you a cliffhanger. You thought there was going to be a third. They just never got around to it. 
it was like, man, you had the perfect yeah. actor to play the perfect character. And uh, it went nowhere. And uh, they've tried to reboot it, what, twice now? And it just it just uh, mm-hmm. hasn't worked. Yeah, no, there was only one. I mean, Schwarzenegger was made for that mm-hmm. role. Oh, I should ask about this question. Did you, did you ever read the comics? Have you ever read any Conan the Barbarian? No, no, no I, I haven't. haven't either. No, I'm not familiar no. with them. I had to put that on my list of things I'm probably never get around to reading, but maybe someday. Things I should and will never yeah. read. So, yeah, I give it four stars. I think it really works. Because even that time, you had so many other fantasy and sword films. And this one, I think it's just way above those in terms of production and all that kind of stuff. It really just stands out in that genre. That's a great call. You're absolutely right, man. You're absolutely right. It does stand a little bit. It does stand mm-hmm. above. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Definitely check it out. So I think that about wraps it for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please take the time to subscribe, give us a review, and rate us. If you want to reach out, you can email us at all80smoviespodcast.gmail.com. Please send us your feedback, questions, movies you want us to cover, or recipes to share. You can follow us on Facebook Meta at All80smoviespodcast. Catch us on TikTok at All80smoviespodcast. Or tweet us at PodcastAll80s. In our next episode, we'll be discussing... Silent Night, Deadly Night, with a special guest host. We hope you join us again. Have a totally great week, everyone. Bill, do you want to live forever? Thanks for staying up with us. Good night, world. <laughs>